0: Good morning CLC, Um, my name is Pastor Ben and those of you guys who are watching online, uh, welcome, welcome to our service. Uh, We are on a sermon series called Come and See and the reason that we call this is because we're inviting um, you guys to come and see the love of God. And so we're going to go and and tackle um, each biblical characters in the Bibles and to see how they related, right? How they show God's love to one another. So throughout this sermon series, you're going to see how God's love really is, right? And number two, in order for us to receive that, right, to receive it and to be able to, as our mission statement does, is to go and share that love to the ends of, of the earth, now, in order for us to do that, in order for us to do that, the pastoral staff came up with a rally cry for this season. And Pastor uh, Calvin came up with this little kind of a, 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 a slogan. It says, you know what, to go smaller, to go bigger. Because of the pandemic, we want you guys to, to meet in a smaller group so that you guys can have a really, really quality time together. And, and then Pastor Eric kind of, Add it on and says, you know what? We need to go slower to go faster. Okay? And then last week, as I was in the Tikva home group, and they were talking about, you know what? I, I couldn't have made it without you and they were having these you know testimonies oh you know what I couldn't have made you know pandemic or I couldn't have made this and this without you and they were like oh and then this one girl was saying you know what you're right you guys could not have made it without me and they were having this all these kind of you know really really relational moment and all of a sudden kind of God spoke to me and said you know what if you go alone you may go faster but if we go together, we are going to go further. Seriously, guys, you, you could go alone and you may go fast. But you know what? If we go together, we might not as go as fast, as bigger, but surely we are going to go much further together. And, and so you know what? Um, during this time of pandemic, and those of you guys who are watching, please come and see. I want us to share. I want us to to share lives together. I really want to to really really build this community of believers to be the body of Jesus Christ. So before I begin uh, my, my message, I, I want to pray, uh, pray, uh, because um, you know, as a pastor, uh, even just like John, it, it, there there is this kind of fear, right? It's not like being afraid, but this is this holy fear, but especially today, I'm a little bit more kind of um, timid and, and shy. So let me just begin with a word of prayer. Father God, this morning, I declare that my words, the voice, every attributes of who I am is not mine. And I just pray, Father God, just the song that we sing, Father God, would you just pour your spirit upon this place right now. I ask, Father God, Lord, that You know what, when you gave me that brand new life some 35 years ago, Father God, it was the most incredible journey that I've ever taken in my own life, Father Lord. And I pray, Father Lord, that that journey, Father God, will be received for those people who do not know you this morning at this place. Father God, I declare your place, your moment, your time. And in Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you guys open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 24. Those of you guys who don't have a Bible, we should be uh, having our, our messages going up. So Luke 15, 17 to 24. When he came to the census, he said, How many of my father's higher servant have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like the one you hire servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. Against heaven and against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, quick, bring the best robes and put it on him. Put on a ring on his finger, sandal on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now is alive. He was lost and now he is found. And so began to celebrate. About three weeks ago... We had a guest speaker, his name was Richard Nakamura, and after the, the, the speaking engagement, we actually went to Amy's house and we were talking. And he shared a story where, you know, after our lunch meeting, he was going to go to Sacramento to visit his friends who lost everything during the fire. And it was, it was sharing with me kind of the compassionate and heart of going to Sacramento to to be with his with this friend who had lost everything in This recent fire. But his friend did say to Richard Nakamura that, you know what, Richard, I am so grateful. I may have lost my car, my my, my luggages, my TVs, and my PS5s, whatever, but you know what, I am so glad that I have my family right here with me. And so his friend was telling, it's okay, Richard, it's okay, because you know what, I have my family. And I have this life. And Richard's friend was kind of talking about the value of the importance of a one person of life. Now, before we dive into today's message, you got to understand the two parables before this parable. Now, those of you guys who are biblical scholars, Luke chapter 1 begins with the parable of the lost sheep. In the middle of the passage, we read about the lost coin. Now, in three of these parables the sheep, the coin, and the son something is lost. But progressively, that which is lost becomes more valuable. Sheep is valuable to a shepherd, but relationally, a coin would be more valuable than a sheep. But certainly, a son. A person is more valuable than the sheep or the coin. Now, you gotta understand that Jesus is revealing the heart of the Father as the value of the merchandise is amplified, describing that which is the most important or valuable as a lost soul, as the Son. Is being lost. And so now we come to this, probably the most famous parable that most of you who grew up in the church are so familiar with. And if you read a little bit earlier passage, it starts with there was a man who had two sons, and the younger son comes to his father one day and says, Yo, dad. Give me my portion of my inheritance. Now, you know what? He may not have said just like what I said, right? But you know what? I really think that he has said that in that kind of a tone. Now, in that culture, the oldest would get two-thirds of the inheritance, and the youngest would only get one-third. Now, those of you guys who are the youngest, I'm sorry. In that culture, right, you would only receive one-third. But... They wouldn't get any of the inheritance until the father of the house was dead. It belonged to the father. It was theirs, only theirs, upon the death of the tester, the one who had made the testament, who, the father who owned everything. Now, for the younger son to say, give it to me now, it's sort of like a sentiment to him saying that, you know what, I wish you were dead Look here, dad. I'm going to get this anyway when you die. So just drop dead and give it to me now. Now, some of you guys who have sons or who are thinking like, you know, this is very, very insulting. It may be unheard of. Maybe that's why when the crowds that must have heard this... They have like gasped. Now, what kind of a son would do that? Yo, dad, I want my inheritance now. Drop dead. What kind of a son would do that? Now, I want you to kind of pause that thought for a moment because I'm going to come back a little later and address this. But, anyways, but this son did. But I want you to see the response of the father. It's found in verse 12. And the younger one said to the father, father, give me my share of the estate. Now if that was my son, I would have probably said, yeah, go away. Or like, you little. But I want you to look at the response of the father. So he divided his property between them. He divides up his fortune, his car, his yacht, and maybe the rest of his property. And I want you guys to understand. I want you to look and I want to see who this father represents. Because this father represents who God is. Who our father is. You know... People often ask me, Pastor Ben, what is love? What do you think love is? Those of you guys who are in college and post-college and you guys know what I'm talking about is what is love? And even the culture says, you know, what is love got to do, got to do with it, right? right? What is love? You know, when, my, when, when me and my wife got married, one of the things that my wife would always, always ask, honey, do you love me? In the beginning, in the initial, yeah, although, you know, I love you very much. Now was the initial, right? In the middle of our, you know, in our wedding, our marriage, about, you know, seventh or eighth year, when my wife goes, honey, do you love me? And I'm like, um, oh, and now when she says, honey, do you love me? And she always asks me right before bed, I'm so tired. And you know, you know what the reply is after being married for 25 years? I, I look at her and say, stop talking nonsense and just go to sleep. <laughs> now, just the other day, just the other day, we were ready to get to, ready for bed. And she turns around, and I thought she would have said, do you love me, right? And, and no, that's not what she said. Honey, I, I heard something really, really funny today. You want to hear it? And he goes, yeah, what is it? Right? And so she goes, Honey. Do you know what gases and love have in common? Okay, I'm not talking about the gases that you turn on, right? Okay, I'm talking about gases. I'm okay, I apologize. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on the airwaves, but gases meaning, you know, F A R T. Okay, guys, fart. Okay, fart. Okay, you know what gases and love have in common? She goes, Do you, honey, do you know what gases and, and love have in common? And I'm going, Hmm, what? And she looked at me and says, they can't both be contained. You got to let it out. I thought that was pretty funny. Now I don't know who wrote it. Okay. And I, when I shared this with my staff, Pastor Calvin goes, I think that is a, one of the lines from a Korean drama. I know it. I don't know who wrote it. But I think it's so clever, but it's so true. Gases and love... Cannot be contained. You just got to let it out. You know, in one of our tic- a home group, one of the couples, they, they came out and says, you know, we're dating, right? And I looked at them and says, I already knew. And they goes, how, how did you know? And once again, love cannot be contained. When I looked at both of you guys, dude, you, 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 I knew you guys were in love. And I've realized once again, don't know who wrote it, but love cannot be contained. And how much did this father love his second son? How much? Willingness to even give up, knowing the fact that his son would fail. You know, it's a question that whenever I read the story of the prodigal son, And I like to ask that question. Did the father knew that his son would fail? Do you think the father knew if he had given this inheritance, the younger son would fail? And the answer comes if you are a good father. And if you know your son too well. Now the Bible doesn't say, but I think he knew. I think this father knew by giving this inheritance that his son would waste it away. But look at the response. But he gives it anyway. And that's what love is. Even though it doesn't make sense. Even though he knew his son would waste it away. He gave it. He gave it away because he knew That will be the only way to get his son back. You know, I heard that there is a particular type of a grass that sheep will go after. It's very sweet. And I heard all the sheeps go crazy for it. And so they will wander away. And sometimes they will even jump down into like a little landing in a real steep place. Like 10 or 12 feet below to eat this type of grass. Now, they can't get back up. They they require a rescue operation at that point. And they isolate themselves by jump and they eat of the grass. Now, the shepherds just leave them there. While the sheeps are bleeding and they're crying out, meh, meh. But the shepherds just leave them there until they have eaten all the grass. They leave them there for days until they soon are so weak they're about to faint. And the onlookers ask the question, why would you do that? Don't you care? Aren't you their shepherd? Why wouldn't you immediately rescue them? And the shepherd's response, it is because if I were to jump down where they are as when they jumped, I would scare them. And they would leap further down into the valley and upon death. So just we would just wait for days and days and days. Until they have eaten all the grass and they grow weary. And so the prodigal father show his great love by letting him go. This is the heart of the Father. Now, I want you to see something. Do you see the difference between the sheep, the coin, and the son? Have you guys thought of that? What is the difference, sheep, the coin, and the son? The sheep wanders. The coin was lost by someone else because the coin doesn't have a will of its own. The coin was lost by somebody else and the coin had no will of its own. It's an inanimate object. It's sort of a victim of somebody misplacing it. Ah, uh, but the son, son has a will. That's why we are called human beings. Because we have choices. Some people wander away like sheeps. Other people victimized or misplaced by this world and display by our society. And still other people by their own will wander away shaked our fist at God unwilling to receive the father's love and i think the prophet isaiah put it the best when he said all sheep have gone astray we have all gone our own ways and the lord has laid on him jesus christ the iniquity of us all you see what was prophesied in isaiah chapter 53 is portrayed here by Luke in the parable of the lost sheep. Now, but Isaiah didn't just predict this lostness. He, he predicted how those lost things would be found. Because he says, concerning the Messiah, he was led a sheep to be slaughtered. As a sheep before their sharers is silenced, he opened not his mouth. He was killed, he was sacrificed, he died. So the lostness is predicted and the foundness, now if, if that is if even a word, is also predicted or prescribed in this Messiah. We are all like a sheep that have gone astray. Now, do you remember the question I asked? How could a son Reacted to his father. Give me my inheritance now. But you know what the reality is? The reality is. That anyone who's sitting in this room. They're all capable. Of being like that second son. We all weren't like. A lot of us who think that, oh, I'm not that bad. In Romans 3 and Romans 6 says, all have sinned and fallen short. Now, the son wastes all his properties and money and, and you can imagine how he could have done this. And now we see the son repenting while he's in the 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 pig style, he he is in where the pigs are. Now, I'll be honest with you, I I don't know what had incurred, and, and the Bible says because, you know, even his dad's servants doesn't get to eat what he's eating now, Right? So he shouts out, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of those, like your higher servant. So he rehearses this, this speech. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home to my dad. I, I know that I blew it. I, I told him to drop dead. And there was certain change, transformation of his life. So he rehearses this speech. He's ready to go. So he rose and he goes to the house. Now, I don't know about you, but... I, I think it, it takes guts to admit that you are wrong. Not only to admit, but to repent. respond Mission trip. Well, I was a sophomore in college, and my first mission trip was to India. I will never forget it because it was the most difficult, one of the most difficult mission trip I've ever had in my entire mission trip life. And I've gone through a lot of mission trips. And we were there, we spoke, the the, the speaker, our our pastor spoke. And every night, every night we we would have these, you know, revivals. And I've noticed a, a, a guy, Probably in the same proximity of my age, he he will be looking. He will be looking, but not responding to any of the altar calls. He will be there first night, the second night, third night, but the last night I, I didn't see. I, I wanted to know. I wanted to go, but because of the language. Now, the last night was over. We're packing up our bags. I, I just felt this kind of like, you know, I wish that guy was here. So we were going to the airport. We were checking in our luggages and getting ready to be bored. And all of a sudden, in the corner of my eye, that man was waiting for us at the airport. And I knew. I grabbed a translator and I went. And you thought John was so shy and timid. I had no idea what I was about to say. But I told that translator, Translate this. God loves you very much. And while the translation was going on, this man had a lot of questions. And some of the questions I couldn't answer because I was only a sophomore in college. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and said, Speak to the man. In your country, you serve a God by your own efforts, by your deeds you got to go to your God. But our God is a God who actually comes. He came down. He meets where you are. He knows. He knows what you're going through. And that was a testimony of Shruti a couple of weeks ago. And I love, I love the responses of him. And right there, right then, the Holy Spirit began to speak through the translator. And he had accepted Jesus Christ at the airport. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He ran to us. How? By giving his son to us, that whoever believes shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And last week, I introduced 316, this number of hope. How he loves us, so he gave. And if you believe, we shall live. And I love the responses. I, I love the responses of the father because, as I said before, gases and love, it has, cannot be continued. It has to be let it out. And I want you to look at what he does. What does the father do? Not only does he kiss and embraces, but the father says, It's okay. And he says, You know, I want you to get my best robe. Put on the best robe. Now, the best robe must have been the father's robe. That would be the best robe in the house. Get the best robe. Get my robe. And notice this, he puts the finger, uh, the ring on his hand. And that's a symbol of authority and the sandals on his feet. In other words, he restored him back to sonship freely and forgives him. And bring the fattened calf, something that was reserved only for the great feast or sacrifices. And he says to kill it and let us eat and be merry. And let's have a party. You know, besides this, you know what I love? The, the thing that I love about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ loves to eat. You don't believe me? You know, he invites himself to luncheon as he speaks to another guy named Zacchaeus. Hey, come here, come down. Because I'm going to go to your house and we're going to have lunch. He invites himself to his, his house. And Jesus Christ, once again, is a God who actually comes to us. And the father says, for this son was dead, is now is alive. He was lost, now is found. This is The amazing grace of God. The sheep would jump out over the cliff and kill themselves. So the shepherds wait until they are so weak that they cannot go anywhere. And then, and only then, the shepherd runs to the sheep, carries them, and lifts them on their arms safety. That is the love of the Father. A while back as I was reading through a book I came across a true story that that really really kind of captured some of you guys are still kind of wondering and some of you guys are trying to image what this God who ran. And let me finish off by sharing a story. A small house was very simple and adequate. It consisted of a one large room on a dusty street. A red, red t- tile roof was one of many on this poor neighborhood on the outskirts of the Brazilian villages. It was a comfortable home. Maria and her daughter Christina had done what they could do to add color to the gray walls and the warmth to the hard dirt floors. An old calendar faded photograph of relatives, a wooden crucifix, the furnishings were modest, pallets on on either sides of the room was for bed, wash basin, and a wood-burning stove. You see, Maria's husband had died when Christina was just an infant the young mother stubbornly refusing opportunity to remarry, to get a got a job, set out to raise her young daughter. Now, fifteen years later, the worst years would be over. Though Maria's salary as a maid afforded few luxuries, it was reliable and did provide food on the table. Now Christina, old enough to get a job to help out. Some said Christina got her independence from her mother. She recoiled at the traditional idea of marrying. Such an early age in raising a family. Not that she couldn't. She could have the pick of her husband because of her olive skin which was so brown, her eyes kept steady streams of prospect at her doors. You see, she had an infectious way of throwing her hair back and filling the room with laughter. She was also that rare magic some woman had to make every man feel like a king just by being near to her. But it was her high spirited curiosity that made her keep all the men's arm's length. She spoke of going to the cities. She dreamed of trading her dusty neighborhood for exciting avenues and for the city life. Now, just the thought of this horrified her mother. Maria was always quick to remind Christina of the harshness of the streets. Honey. People don't know you there. Jobs are scarce and the life is cruel. And besides, if you were to go there, what would you do for a living? But Maria knew exactly what Christina would do. What would have done to make her a living. That's why her heart broke when she woke up one morning to find her daughter, pallet empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone. So she also immediately what she must do to find her. She quickly threw some clothes in a bag and gathered all her money and ran out of the house. On her way out to the bus stop, she entered a drugstore to get one last thing. Pictures. She she sat in the photograph book, wiping the tears from her eyes closed the curtains, and spent all she could do on the picture of herself. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that when her daughter was too stubborn to give, you see, when pride meets hunger, a human would do anything that would think unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. Bars, hotels, nightclubs, any of the places reputation for a streetwalker or prostitution. And she went to them all. And at each place, she left her picture, taped to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner of a phone booth, and on the back of each photo, she wrote the simple note. But it wasn't too long before the both money and all the picture had ran out. Maria had to go home. This weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina was descending from a hotel stairs, her face so tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. Thousands thousands of times, over and all over again, she had longed to trade these countless beds with these strange men for a secure pallet at home. But yet her little village was too far, far away from her mind. As she was reaching to the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face and she looked and she looked again and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed all the small photos and written on the back of this compelling invitation. Christina, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter forgive you, please come home. And so she did. I, I feel like there is a call. There is a call for some of you guys to come home. And this morning, I want to invite... It's not a force. Once again, the son has a will. But once again, I want you to look at the response of the father. The father was waiting. As soon as he was turning around the corner, the father was waiting and waiting. You know, I imagine that the father was waiting there. The moment he had left the house. The day that he had left the house, the father was waiting. And if you are a good father, and I place myself, because I'm a father. And I look, and I fully understood the heart of the father then. And one day when the sun just turned around and came to the corner, the father leaped out and ran. This morning I want to invite, this morning I want to invite those of you guys who may not know who the father or the heart of the father is. As the praise team comes and and sings, the last songs. Would you, if you want to know, we have some, our prayer ministers out there. Would you just raise your hand? I, I want to know. I want to know this father. Because the number of hope is also number of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall ever believe shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Once again, our prayer ministers are waiting back there. If you, seriously, you know, I want to know this, Father, just raise your hand and prayer ministers would come for those of you guys who've been in the church I know you know someone that needs this message of love I know I do my very own brothers my own cousins so right now as our worship team is going to lead us in the last song I want us to pray. Father, we thank you for this plan, the plan to send a lamb that would be slain from the very foundation of this earth to a world to deal with the disease and the plagues that every human beings would be born with. And that's called sin. Father God, we things that we fail to do, the things that we deliberately do wrong. There are so many. But the beautiful part is that Jesus paid it all. And we are so thankful that you included us in your plans. And that we have been bought by faith, by the love of Jesus Christ. Father God, this morning, I know that you are speaking to some people in this place. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus that would you just open their hearts. May not be today, but Father God, continually as we minister as the body of Jesus Christ. And also for those people, Father God, who are listening, who've been coming to church all their lives, Father God, we know this message of hope, message of love needs to be transferred into those people, Father God, that do not know you. And I ask in the name of Jesus, would you would you make us bold I know that we are scared timid shy but I ask in the name of Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and I pray Father God in the name of Jesus help us to be the messenger and ambassador to carry that message to the ends of the earth Father God we love you we thank you and in Jesus name we pray Amen